Developing the Leader Within is a podcast that focuses on leadership, management, and career development. We nosedive into the areas that are holding you back from your full potential. Let us begin. Welcome back to another episode of Developing the Leader Within. I am Enrique Acosta Gonzalez, your host. And I'm here today with uh, someone that I've, I've been wanting to have on the show for quite a while, Joshua Deshay. Uh, and uh, welcome, Joshua. Thank you for being here. Man, it is, it's great to be here, buddy. I'm, uh, I'm excited. You and I have been connected here for a while. And um, I, it's an honor to be here. Outstanding. Thank you so much. So today, folks, we're going to be talking about leadership and sales. Now, for those of you that are in the leadership position, and you think you're, you're, you're not a salesperson, uh, I, I beg to differ. And I don't know how you feel, Joshua, but uh, I think that all of us in one way or another, we're selling, right? From the, from the time we have to uh, defend our time with our parents as a kid uh, and, and how we finagle that uh, among them uh, to, to schooling, to work, to positions, uh, we're constantly selling. Yeah, yeah, I mean, it's something that I don't think people think of enough, right? Because immediately when they think about salespeople, they think of what they don't like. They think of pushy. They think of Glen Gary, Glen Ross, and always be closing. They think of car salesmen and insurance salesmen and attorneys and ambulance chasers or whatever it is. And what we have to realize is that all sales really is, is connection, communication, and influence. And so if you're, a, if you're a business owner and you're an, a solopreneur, you're, you're selling. <laughs> you're telling people about the company. You're getting people to use you. If you're a parent and you've got little kids, you are a salesperson. How, how else do you get them to eat their, their vegetables, right? Mm -hmm. So no matter what it is we're doing in life, sales is an integral part of what it is we do. And it's, I think it's vital for us to understand concepts of sales, um, how to do sales the right way, and how to harness power that comes with having influence and, and being of value and those sort of things. Yeah. Now, having heard all of that, I know that the wealth of knowledge is just going to pour out of you here son, it's once we get into our topic. Um, but just to give you an opportunity, uh, tell us a little bit about yourself and where you come from uh, in the sales. So I, um, I appreciate that. Um, wow. I, I kind of think that I've been in sales all my life, which obviously what I just said, that's accurate. Um, you know, I, I grew up in a, in a home that didn't have a lot of money. I had um, a dad who I loved dearly, but who is an addict. Um, drugs and alcohol was. Um, actually. Dad went to prison when I was senior in high school, um, graduated, went off to college, sang in the shows at Fiesta Texas, which is a Six Flags theme park, but then left school to come back home and take care of my parents or to, to take care of my mom and my brothers. And I think what it did was it really instilled in me a deep sense of family and care. And I had a motivation that was deeper than just making a paycheck. Um, got older, married my wife in 2001. We have four beautiful kids, three older girls and one four-year-old boy. Um, I am 
Um, I actually have, my main gig is I'm the director of channel partnerships for an amazing company called First Star HR. We do HR outsourcing, payroll, risk management for small to mid-sized businesses. And I'm a sales and train, I'm a sales coach. I'm a sales trainer with the sales rebellion. And, um, and so, I, you know, I love what I do. I love talking about sales. I love helping people change their lives through concepts that sales can bring. Outstanding. Um, as I've been in leadership and going through leadership, I've seen, you know, the sales teams, right? You always got the sales team, you got the marketing team. Um, and um, I've seen leadership uh, vary from uh, the people that, you know, could care less, but just care about the bottom line uh, to the people who care uh, for the team and the bottom line and have flourished on both ends. Uh, I'd be interested to see or hear from you a little bit of what you've seen in leadership and sales. I think that um, leadership has really done salespeople a disservice over the last two, three decades. Um, not all, there are some amazing leaders out there who understand the need to not only have a thriving sales team, but to have a need to be part of a process. See, the way that, that organizations for the most part are structured right, is executive team, which involves your C-level suites. You have a marketing department, you have a sales team, um, you have middle managers in each that report back to the executives. And because we live in a culture that requires profit margins, and, and that's understandable, by the way, um, we have executives who push down metrics-based, volume-based goals to a sales organization with the mere, the singular motivation of selling product to make money. And, and the struggle with that, right, is it, it completely is devoid of the basic human principles that people need in order to buy something from you. So if I go to you and come up to you and say, hey, I just want you to know that I'm talking to a hundred other people today and I just need to know real quickly, do you want to buy? And if not, I'm going to leave. You're never going to buy from me. Yet, that's the mentality that most organizations and most leadership teams have when it comes to sales. And yes, they will spend money on training, <clears throat> right? They'll spend money on marketing material. But what they're doing really when they create those things and have a culture mentality of profit over relationship, profit over value, is that they lose profit because they're not showing the value. And so if leadership in organizations in the United States and around the world today would take a greater interest in helping create value within the sales organizations that they lead, I think you would see profits soar. Um, I think you would see relationships built, which means you would see a lower attrition of um, consistent clients. And um, unfortunately, most leadership teams shoot themselves in the foot when it comes to this. So I think that it has failed sales teams over the last few decades. Wow, that's, uh, that's interesting. I, 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 and I think it goes across, uh, you know, departments, you know, yes. how leadership uh, executes on a day-to-day -day basis uh, kind of doesn't differ. It, it actually goes along with the culture of the company. But there are some leaders, like you have mentioned, that distinguish themselves from among the others and, 
and those are your, your, your breath of fresh air, right? They come in, you're like, oh, thank you. Thank you, Moses, <laughs> right, uh, for, for coming in and, and adding something that we've been starving for. What's interesting is that we, we see these things play out uh, and, we, and we attack it at that point. Uh, I've always been interested as a leadership developer to get it before it gets to that point. So I focus on the management first and I give them a lot of leadership development because sooner or later they're gonna be in leadership position. Have you seen that approach? Um, have you seen maybe that not happen? You mean from like a, a middle management standpoint? Right, right. Yes, I actually, yeah. Um, so the, the struggle, right, is most middle managers, and you know, you have, again, executive team, middle management, worker beats, right? And so what happens for the most part is executive leadership says, we need this kind of profit. They get it to the middle manager, and the middle manager then has to go about showing them through forecasting how they're going to achieve said goals based upon the number of salespeople they have, right? Makes sense. Mm -hmm. um, and logically, that's an equation, right? The equation is if I have X dollar amount that we need for revenue, and I have five salespeople, then I'm going to divide that up based upon those five salespeople, right? And then what we know is we, we can look back at metrics in these industries and say, okay, if I want $250,000 of revenue, if each deal is worth 50,000, then I know that I need, right, five, I need five deals to get the 250. What does it take for me to get five deals? Well, it takes X number of phone calls. It takes X number of um, appointments. Then it takes X number of proposals, which will lead to those five sales. And so because it's the path of least resistance, that is what the middle manager ends up doing. And they end up showing that executive leadership exactly what they want to see, which is a pathway to get there. And then they push that down to the sales force. Well, what does that do? When the middle manager breaks down the overall goals based upon a metric, you're now working in a volume-based kind of um, um, organization and um, economy in sales, right? So what you're telling your individuals are, I don't care what it takes, you're going to get these five sales. You're telling your people now not to care so much about relationships. You're telling them to treat every single person they talk to as a number. If we had right now, we need to have middle managers stand up and be unafraid to be demoted back into sales. Because we know this, most middle managers are really the best salesperson who was promoted up to manager of that department, right? I mean, right. most of the time. And so what we need is we need middle managers to stand up and say, I'm going to do this. We are going to get your numbers, but we are not going to do it like this anymore. And if you don't like that, and if I don't hit my goals, demote me back down to being the, the top salesperson. And, and so instead, middle managers really need to push for the idea that people buy from people they trust. People say that forever, and it's true. Now, do people only buy from people they trust? No, but we know that everyone who buys at some point buys it because they trust or value the product and the individual that sold it to them. So if we will then instead create value in our prospects, if we'll create value and give an experience to the people who could buy our product, right? And if we created relationships, what, it, what would it do? It would get us the, the sales that we need right now, 
it would set ourselves up for future success getting sales if they're not ready. If we lose a deal, it sets us up to be better at service than the person who actually got the deal. So now we have a chance to resell to someone who is unhappy with the decision they made, which was not picking us. Right. And I'll, I'll tell you this, if you did that more, you'd have, again, lower attrition of clients. You would sell more. You would have people happy. You would have higher customer service scores. And you'd have salespeople who didn't burn out from having to make hundreds of phone calls a month. And so that is right now what middle management needs to be doing in order to show leadership in sales. Yeah, that's a, that's, that's a, while you talking, I'm, I'm going through the whole scenario in my head and, uh, you know, metrics versus value. And then I'm thinking of myself in a position where, man, I messed up. I went with this company. <laughs> I went with this product. I should have went with this other one. And, and, and you're right that, yeah, you may, maybe that customer went to that product, but the product has to speak, right? So sooner or later, the customer is going to end up with a, yeah, that was a great idea. or man, that was the worst idea I ever did. So, so imagine this. So let's say you're trying to sell, you're trying to sell an insurance. You're an insurance person. You're trying to sell an insurance policy to company ABC. And it's you and someone else, and you've done everything you can, you've given value, and they just make a different decision. So typically speaking, most sales organizations will tell you, okay, enter them into Salesforce, right? Put in what their renewal date is and follow back up with them a month and a half before renewal. What if you did it differently? And then what they do, by the way, right, is they stop talking to them. What if you did it differently? What if you created an experience over the next six months that showed value to that individual that didn't take you. One, how long would it take to send a thank you letter saying thank you so much for giving me an opportunity? What, how difficult would it be to know what their birth date was and send them a birthday card? What about a video? What about sending them a video of everyone in your office saying happy birthday from someone who lost the business? Mm -hmm. We know this, chances are they're not getting anything but maybe a generic ha happy birthday card from their current company or an email that's a generic blast. What if they got that? What if you followed up um, in six months and said, hey, look, I just wanted to say I, I love you guys. I loved talking to you. I'm not trying to sell you. You're already with this company. What is it I can help you with right now? Do you need help with, with understanding a part of that policy? Do you need help with understanding how to use the policy you bought? I would be happy to review that for you. What are the chances that the company that they actually bought from are doing those things? So it's the idea that I'm going to provide value during the process. I'm going to provide value immediately afterward. And if I didn't even get the sale, I'm going to provide a value and a service that they're probably not getting where they are. If I do all that, what are the chances that they don't come to me, right? They're going to work with me. So that's my, that's my thought on that. Yeah, no, that's powerful because that, that's like the difference between the, hey, look at, look at us uh, versus experience. That's a huge difference. Look at me, experience me is two different things. That's right. That's, well, that's, I mean, 
think about sales for the most part. Sales for the most part gets a bad rap because it's repetitive, right? It's transparent in that we know what people are going to say before they say it. And it, it, it's pushy and it's boring. And so who says that as salespeople, we have to make the experience for the buyer one of check marks? Okay, so I showed you, I talked to you on a first call. We had a, another call just to talk about numbers. We had another call to have a demo. We had another call to um, you know, find out if you had any other questions. We had a, 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 who says that we have to do stuff that way? Why can't we uh, create an experience that's, that's, not, that, that's not easily forgettable? Why can't we have fun with what it is we do? Um, why can't we make it so that every other company is that gray company and we're bright red? <laughs> I mean, and, and again, why only do this for people who say yes? Sales should be an experience. Sales should be exciting. When you buy a new product, I don't care if it's an insurance product as an organization or you buy a transformer toy for your kids. It should be exciting immediately. You shouldn't have buyer's remorse. And so my idea is as leaders, as sales organizations, we should do what we can to bring as much value as we possibly can, regardless of whether or not they say yes and sign a check over to us. Yeah, uh, we talk about uh, value and experience and, and, and me being here in Orlando, Disney is the yeah. very first thing that comes in and they, you know, you'll go in there and drop a bucket. <laughs> you, you'll go in there, but it's because of the experience and the relationship you built. I don't talk to anybody when I buy those tickets. When I got my band, I just went online. But guess what? What was attached to that item was an experience unlike anything else, right? It's 100%. I mean, think about it. Like with, them, with Disney, I bet you anything, they, they sent you a video. You all of a sudden had experiences from the park. Not, all, not only that, but have you ever been anywhere where you have, you're forced to spend two hours waiting in line and you don't mind. <laughs> I mean, you really don't mind. You've got, you've got, you know, Mickey Mouse running by and Darth Vader walking by with his lightsaber. You've got cartoons up on the TVs. You've got people coming by with refreshments. You're, you've got, you know, the shade. And you, I mean, it's an experience. And it's part of it. And you don't mind. Even though, you, like you said, you've just dropped $300 a person for a day. <laughs> you don't mind. Because it's yeah. an experience. That's that's amazing. And and so how 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 is leadership, um, or what would you say leadership role is in that experience? Well, I mean, we it's kind of become cliche to talk about culture and organizations. Mm -hmm. um, leadership can do one of two things. Leadership can set the culture, right? It's a culture of a value based culture. We want to provide um, extraordinary value to everyone who comes into contact with us. That's, that's like Disney, right? I want to provide as much value as possible, squeeze as much as I can in. There's never too much. Or 
if I don't have the right mindset, if I don't have the right creativity, that I step aside and allow those who do have creativity to work. I think, again, too many times we allow ego to get in the way of what actually needs to happen. And it doesn't mean that every leader has to be the most engaging, the most vibrant, the most idea-ridden person on the face of the earth. Some people aren't like that, and that's cool. But what we need to be able to do if we're a leader like that is we need to understand it. The creatives out there who can provide the experience that we can't. And if that's the case, then we should be giving that opportunity to our middle managers and saying, hey, you know what? run with it, create an experience. Here are the numbers that we have to hit, but you know what? Create an experience that allows people to remember us when time comes to do something. And so the biggest thing they can do again is to allow that creativity to shine or get out of the way and let other people who have that creativity work. So, so, so basically giving, right? You, All you, the time. You, you gotta, you gotta, yeah, you gotta surround yourself with the mentality of giving uh, we had, without, without an expectation, right? I had a, yeah, I had a conversation the other day and, and it was my friend Dale Dupree, um, myself, and then one other person. And the question came up and I loved what Dale said and it was very true. And the discussion was, when should I stop giving things away and then you know, tell them, hey, this is what I get paid for, right? Because you have people that will ask your opinions and try to get stuff over and over again. And his response was fantastic. And it was, you know what, in the end, I just want to give. I just want to be a value. And so, you know what, where's the line? Don't stop giving value. If someone can't pay you, keep giving value. If they don't choose to work with you right now, keep giving value. If they choose to work with you now, keep giving value, right? And so, to me, a big, a big thing in my life, one of my big tenets, one of my big commandments is to give without expectation, provide maximum value and create community around me. Imagine if you could live a life and be successful by giving to others without expecting anything in return, right? I don't, it's no quid pro quo. <laughs> I'm just going to give to you. And if you stop giving, I may give more. And then if you said, you know what, I'm going to not only give, but I'm going to give as much as I can. I'm not going to give the Salvation Army today um, the change out of my pockets. I'm going to write them a check for $100. What if you could live like that? What if you could live in a way that said, you know what? Yes, we want to make money and we want to prosper and we want to move forward, but I'm going to do so by creating a community around me and providing a huge value and benefit for the community already around me. Man, that's a life. <laughs> that's a life. If I could get up every day and give as much value as I can possibly give and take care of people around me in the community and do so while providing the most value that I possibly can, you can talk about a great day. And organizations should look that way. Because you know what happens when you do all those things? Without you even realizing it, everyone's watching. And everyone's going, I got to be part of that. How the hell can I be part of that? I want to work there. I want to buy from there. I want to know them. I want to give them money. All of those things happen when you don't have an expectation that they will happen. Just go out and do good and be a value. Yeah, that's, that's wonderful. And uh, 
you know, I, uh, I, we don't, you know, we're not sponsored by anybody or anything, but look, Chick-fil-A, <laughs> let me tell Dude. you, <laughs> I, I'll go there blind. I'll go there walking. I go there because of, um, their giving. No, no, you buy your chicken and you buy your this or that, but the way they give, uh, with, with really without expectation, uh, they, they provide maximum value. They, they've created a community that you just want to be around. Well, think about it this way. You've got, you've got right now a fast food industry in general that's taken a big hit with all the healthy options and people thinking about that. And there's a reason. Go to McDonald's and go up to the, go to, go, you know, drive up. They give you your stuff. You look in the bag and there's no ketchup. <laughs> and you go, can I have some ketchup? And, and on the, for your fries and on the door, it says, we'll give two things of ketchup away per fry. If you want more, it's going to cost you. How much does a pack of ketchup for them from Cisco cost? It's like pennies on the dollar. You go to Chick-fil-A and they'll say, hey, what kind of sauces do you want? You say, hey, I want the, the ketchup and I want the Chick-fil-A sauce. And you don't got to ask. You look in that pack and they've given you like five or six ketchups. And they've given you three or four of the Chick-fil-A sauces. And then you look in there and you say, hey, can I have some more of that Chick-fil-A sauce? Sure. How many do you want? From a financial aspect. They're not gonna. They're not gonna um, step over dollars to pick up nickels, right? They understand from a philosophical standpoint, these packets, they, these things are like like five cents a piece when they buy these things. That's not the important. The important thing is the relationship. And by the way, say thank you, right? My pleasure. Say thank you. My pleasure. It's my pleasure. It's my pleasure. Thank you. It's my pleasure. It's all about service. It's all about value. It's all about giving without expecting anything in return. And you're right. There's a reason that they do so well when the rest of that fast food industry has been leveling off and dying. Yeah, the, the community thing is just amazing. Um, and this is real quick on, on, on the, since we're on the sauces, <laughs> yeah. we're talking about uh, secret sauces for sales, secret sauces for leadership. This, uh, they established a little, a little table on the side. Mm -hmm. That when patrons come in there and they've over stacked their sauces, they can come and deposit those right there in this little bucket. And uh -huh. then anybody else that wants, they don't have to go to the counter anymore. They can it's just awful. go and see if the sauces are available. Now, if it's not available, you go to the counter, but it's right there. And yep. it's just a, a supply environment. Your need has already been counted in the equation. And so now they've thrown that equation out before you even have to ask. So, and yep. it's wonderful. It is. It really is. They do such a good job. Well, I tell you, uh, uh, Joshua, this has been uh, such an enlightening conversation. Uh, I know that you have way more to, uh, to give. And, uh, and, and I know I only got you for a certain limit of time. But uh, thank you so much for taking time to address leadership and sales. Um, I hope that the audience understands that sales is something that's inherent to humans. You, 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 sell, you sell all the time. And the time. it doesn't stop uh, when you become a manager. It just gets even, even more technical. And as you move up, it's just more technical. But leadership, please understand that 
in executing your uh, technical skills, you have to throw in some humanity. You have to throw in something that's going to leave someone else feeling like dealing with you was the best thing they did that day. So uh, Joshua, thank you so much. Um, if someone needed to get a hold of you, how would they do that? And the best way for me is just hit me up on LinkedIn. It's Joshua W. Deshay, D-E-S-H-A. Right now, I mean, we, I do so much on LinkedIn and so much of the business is actually coming from there. If you need support, if you need help, if you need encouragement, if you need someone to give you value, hit me up. All right. Outstanding. And hey, uh, I know that uh, I get a lot of value from you and I appreciate what you do uh, both uh, in the sales arena and LinkedIn. And so I thank you once again. And for all those listening, stay tuned for the for next week. We'll have a, another guest and I won't spoil it uh, by telling you who it is. But uh, thank you, uh, Joshua. And uh, I hope that uh, everybody is staying safe and healthy. And until next time, success to you. Absolutely. Stay safe and be blessed. Thank you so much for tuning in. And I'd love to hear suggestions for our future shows or any remarks you may have that will help us improve. Until then, success to you.